If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unbelieving. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake, forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sin, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning. And though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of Holy Scripture. The Old Testament reading for this, the fourth Sunday in Lent, is from the prophet Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf, as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things and does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased, for his righteousness' sake, to magnify his law and make it glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the fifth chapter. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the ninth chapter. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sand. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but it is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his Sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then, he does, how then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. And so for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, 
Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not, li does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking with you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Together now we confess our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of light, very God of very God. Be God by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text from the Holy Gospel, these words from St. John, the ninth chapter in particular, Jesus heard that they had thrown out the blind man, and when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him, and he is the one who is talking to you. And the man replied, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Dear friends in Christ, more than a few of you have had cataracts removed, some of you as recently as the past couple of weeks. A miracle indeed in our own day, I suppose one might call it, suddenly reversing through a very common surgical procedure that doesn't require a good amount of time for recovery. And suddenly eyes once clouded and eyes once blurred because of the cataracts. And suddenly after a simple surgery, everything seems so clear with the kind of clarity that perhaps you haven't had for months or even years. Cataracts, coming from the Latin word cataracta, which means waterfall, as rapidly running water turns white, so also the lens of the eye turns white with age, doctors kindly referring to it as the appearance of, quote, mature ocular opacities. Some cataracts are age-related, some are disease-related, some are congenital. Whatever, all cataracts, if left untreated, can indeed cause blindness. And nowhere has that been more apparent for me, at least, in the last weeks than seeing what I saw recently on television, perhaps some of you did, in the National Geographic commentary I saw entitled, Inside North Korea, where in order to get a rare glimpse of life behind this restrictive curtain, and in this communist country that is more restricted perhaps than any other society on earth, a young lady with her cameraman accompanied a world-famous eye surgeon into North Korea on a six-day mission of mercy during which this doctor was going to perform a thousand cataract surgeries on young and old alike in North Korea. And through it all, she was able to get a glimpse of life there. But What's fascinating is her description of what they saw as these surgeries, these cataract surgeries were performed. She says, here children and old people alike had lived in the dark for years. All were hoping for a miracle. We witnessed Dr. Ruit and his team operate on more than 1,000 people in six days. It was an act of unbelievable stamina. It proved Dr. Ruit's deep-rooted humanity. And then the crucial day arrived. A thousand fearful and expectant patients with their eyes bandaged were all gathered into one room. What would happen when the bandages came off? Nobody knew. And everybody, including us, she says, held their breath. And Dr. Ruit went up to every single person, and he talked to each of them soothingly, and then he slowly took off the bandage. And one by one, we witnessed this miracle happening Old women saw their grandchildren and children, their parents, for the first time after years in the dark. But then she says what was so remarkable was that immediately after regaining their sight, rather than thanking the doctor, people started crying and bowing and giving thanks in front of pictures of their dear leader, Kim Jong-il, 
and his father, Kim Il-sung, as hundreds clapped and cheered in unison. I never saw, she says, such an extreme personality cult before. And it was all filmed. I saw it, perhaps some of you did, on television. People receiving their sight and going right by the one who had given them that sight through the surgical procedure, not thanking him or even acknowledging what he had done, but going to two pictures posted on the wall of the dictators of North Korea, thanking them, bowing down before them, worshiping them. Obviously, miracles, even modern ones of that type, don't necessarily the right Messiah make. In fact, sinners that we are, we come to desire the miracles that the miracle maker makes even more than we desire the miracle maker often who makes them. We want these physical miracles to be happening all the times, all the time in our lives. Think about it. How often have you heard about these miracles of old, the grand and the glorious miracles that are reported by the prophets of the Old Testament or by the apostles in the New Testament? How often we've heard of them and we find ourselves asking God, why don't you act like that also in our day? Why don't you do for us what you did back in the days of Moses? Why don't you act as miraculously as you did in the times of the apostles, those epic miracles, Lord, how wonderful it would be if in our day we too could have those epic miracles like Scripture, mighty miracles like those of old, if only God would. Oh, how many unbelievers, we think. If only he would act in that way, how many unbelievers would be believers? Really? Consider what Philip Yancey in his book entitled Disappointment with God says, he says, some Christians long for a world that's well stocked in miracles and spectacular signs of God's presence. I hear wistful sermons, he says, in the parting of the Red Sea and the 10 plagues and the daily man in the wilderness as if the speakers yearn for God to unleash his power like long ago. But the follow the dots journey of the Israelites through the desert should give us all pause, he says. Would a burst of miracles nourish faith? Did it do so for those of old? Not the kind of faith that God seems interested in, evidently. The Israelites give ample proof, he says, that signs may addict us only to signs and not to God. And that's important for us to see today. If we're looking for a Jesus, as so many in our day are, a Jesus to be the miracle maker who merely waves his hand over every sickness that we have so that we always get well here on earth. And that's the primary reason that we're interested in him. Then we'll have far less than what he wants us to have. Even if we get our miracle of healing here on earth. If we're looking for a Jesus to wave his hands over our careers, over our businesses, our investments, our adventures, so that they'll be prosperous and successful, as so many in our day are, and as so many are promising in our day that he will always do, and that's the primary reason that we're interested in him, then we'll have far less of Jesus than what our Lord really wants us to have, even though we get our miracles of wealth here on earth. If we're looking for Jesus to wave his hands, over our troubles, 
and our ragged relationships as husbands and wives and parents and children and make them magically go away and disappear, and that's the only reason we're interested in him, we'll have far less of a Jesus than he wants us to have, even if we get our miracle of trouble-free relationships in this life. We have what he wants us to have when we see him as we here do, as Christ and him crucified for us, for the sinners of the world, because it's that miracle, the one that the world can't see. It sees but a man on a cross. We know what's happening there. It's that miracle above all miracles that makes him our Messiah. That's what he would have us see. The world is blind to that because it will not see it. Consider, for example, the, the blind man in our gospel for today. We would be blind to that as he was, were it not for the fact that God has worked faith in us to see what the world can't see. The beauty of a man on the cross because the man is the man God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the man in our text for today. Blind from birth, he's healed by our Lord Jesus. Note, first of all, the man wasn't looking for a miracle to happen. He wasn't even asking for a miracle to happen. What was he doing? The man was sitting there, as he'd been doing for years, begging for money. Wasn't looking for a miracle. Blind from birth, he's healed by our Lord, but he's just sitting there as he had every day for years, begging for alms as Jesus and his disciples happened to be passing by. And suddenly he becomes, little beknownst to him, becomes the object of a theological discussion. And the disciples ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? And they're trying to figure out why this man is like that. And they're theologically challenging him. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus knew what was going to happen and how he was going to work through this event. And then our Lord spat on the ground. And you can imagine the scene in your mind. As our Lord Jesus spat in the ground, the disciples probably had seen that same look in his eye before, and they knew that something immediate was going to happen, and he spits upon the ground, and he takes his finger, and he rubs it, and he mixes this mud together. And he made this mud of the spittle, Scripture says, and he applied the mud unto the man's eyes, and he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he went away, and he washed, and he came back seeing. Did that miracle make Jesus the man's Messiah in the sense that the man recognized Jesus for who he was? Having miraculously, unexpectedly receiving the gift of sight, did the man suddenly then, having received that gift of sight, did he suddenly see Jesus as his Messiah, as the Savior of the world, long promised of old? No, he didn't. For not long after his neighbors Astonished by it all, asked him, how did this happen? Well, he says, this man named Jesus, that's what he thinks Jesus at the time to be. This man named Jesus made some mud, and he put it in my eyes. He's telling factually what happened. And he told me to wash in Siloam, and I did, and now I see. Notice to him at this point, his healer was but a man named Jesus. That was all. A miracle doesn't necessarily result in faith. It doesn't a Messiah make. 
Confused by everything that had happened, all of his neighbors brought him quickly to their spiritual leaders, getting guidance from them, and they asked the Pharisees, and then the Pharisees asked the man, well, how did you receive your sight? To which he replied, well, he put mud on my eyes, and now I see. An argument broke out among the teachers, the Pharisees, as to who this Jesus was, some saying that he was a great sinner for healing on the Sabbath because that was their major concern. They overlooked the miracle altogether and they were concerned about him healing on the Sabbath day. Others saying that he was not. The miracle doesn't create faith in the Pharisees at all. It didn't at all. The miracle does not necessarily the Messiah make, you see. And finally they asked the man, well, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, well, he's a prophet. You know, if you ask the same question over and over again and you get the same question coming back to you, you suddenly think, well, maybe I better add a little bit more to it. They're obviously looking for something more. And so he adds, well, he must be a prophet. But even that is not acknowledging him as the Messiah, the Christ promised of old. He still isn't seeing Christ for who he is. And sometime later, they called the poor, confused man back a second time demanding him, give God the glory. We know that this Jesus is a sinner. So now the Pharisees are defining for him who they want him to say that he is. And what does man reply? Does he come out with his bold confession and say, no, he's the Messiah, long promised of old? No, exasperated, fearful, confused by it all. He says, whether he's a sinner, I really don't know. One thing I know is I was blind and now I see. Though he gave credit to Jesus for his healing, he still doesn't see him as the sinless son of God, as the savior of the world. A miracle does not necessarily, you see, a Messiah make. And then at last, then at last the words of Jesus, the powerful word of Jesus, does what the miracle of Jesus wasn't designed to do but it only prepped the word of God to do. And Jesus sought the man out, and finding the man after he'd been expelled from the temple, then what does he do? Jesus asks the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man, demonstrating his lack of faith in Christ at that point, said, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you both have seen him, and he is the one who is talking to you. And then the man said, I believe. And he worshiped him, scripture says. The word of Jesus doing it all. A miracle does not a Messiah make, but the word of Christ works the miracle of faith within us just as it did with you. And it was indeed a miracle, whether it was at the font or elsewhere, where our God worked that miracle of faith within you, it was his word working through the means he chose to accomplish that end. Miracles may open the eyes of the blind so that they see, but only the word of Christ opens the eyes of the seeing so that they may say, I believe. And so you see the miracle of faith in Christ, which God's spirit has worked in you through his word. That's a miracle in your life that, be, that should be cherished and should be treasured as the greatest miracle of all, the greatest miracle that's ever happened to you. 
For even if we would never see another wonder of God worked in our lives, we would still know that we have that greatest miracle of all that was performed for us and on our behalf, that God's word has created faith in us so that we see he, Christ for whom he is, that we see Christ as him crucified, Christ who is able to do, Scripture says, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. When we know Christ for who he is, then we know also that he can indeed do miracles in our lives and that he will, according to his good will, and according to the measure of his time, work miracles in our lives. He knows our need for miracles of any kind far better than we know our own. He sees our hurting hearts. He hears us when we cry, why, Lord, has this happened to me? Why has this happened to someone I love? He knows the hurts that we feel, and he miraculously then works to give us the strength that we need to endure whatever we need to endure for as long as we need to endure it, as he accomplishes his purpose and even through it all makes us stronger in our faith. Not long ago, there was on the Discovery Channel a special on the building of the Hoover Dam, which perhaps some of you have seen. Built in 1935 in the Colorado River, it's an engineering wonder. Hoover is what's called an arch gravity dam. In other words, it's designed to, so that the greater the pressure that's applied to the dam, the more it's wedged against the solid rock upon which it's built. The greater the forces against the dam, the stronger, in fact, it becomes. And so it is also with us. The force of our hurts, the pressure of our heartaches, they don't separate us from the love of God. To the contrary, God uses those very things, and this often is where the miracle is happening that only the opened eyes of faith can see. That often God will work through these very ways and in these very things to wedge us ever more securely and surely into the solid and the immovable rock of our salvation, our Lord Jesus Christ, who, as the psalmist said in today's introit, is our light and our salvation, the stronghold of our lives, of whom then, he says, shall we be afraid. Do you see? Do you see? Miracles may not a Messiah make. But our Messiah, Jesus Christ, still makes miracles, multitudes of them, in our day. Even as he sustains our faith, as he heals our hurts, as he daily governs our lives, giving us that which we need, according to his good will, for body and for soul. And as he does, may our response to Jesus always be the same as the man in our text for today. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. For that miracle of faith in seeing Christ is the savior of us all, is indeed the greatest miracle of all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We pray. Father in heaven, whose mercies are new to us every morning, and who has given us sight through your Holy Spirit and holy baptism, by the hearing and reading and preaching of your word and by your sacraments, grant us ever eyes of faith, that we may always see clearly the salvation that has been won for us and is ours in Christ Jesus. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Heavenly Father, your merciful goodness knows no end. We thank you for providing all that we need to support this body and life, especially for supplying us with your word and the, the sacraments by which you feed and nourish and sustain your church on earth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Holy Spirit, restrain all who would corrupt and poison your truth. Give to your church faithful pastors who will lead her to the means of grace. Bless the seminaries of your church by enlightening those who teach and those who learn, that they may apply themselves to diligent study of your word and boldly confess it in their teaching and their future preaching. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Blessed Holy Spirit, enable us to walk as children of the light. Bring forth in our lives fruits that are pleasing to you. Give us spiritual sight that we may rightly discern what is becoming of your people and not partake of the works of darkness, but rather spend our days bringing glory to your name. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Heavenly Father, give to all peoples everywhere upright and honest rulers who serve for the common good of the people. Bless all those in our nation who make and administer and judge our laws. Give them integrity and honor in their vocations, that all may benefit from their work on your behalf. Especially send your holy angels to protect those who defend us, our servicemen and women, police and firefighters, border patrol agents who risk their lives to protect our nation's borders, and all those who work in various government agencies to protect and defend our liberties. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Lord Jesus Christ, in your compassion, you did not turn away anyone in need, but provided for them. Hear our prayers for all those in need, the poor, those without homes, the hungry and unemployed, and all others who cannot provide for themselves. Open our eyes to see their needs, and move us to deal lovingly and generously with them, as you have dealt so with us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. O Lord Jesus Christ, as you healed the man born blind in order to demonstrate the merciful works of God, so deal mercifully with all those who, whose lives have been touched with illness or disease, the shut-in, those who suffer from chronic and grave conditions, including Chris Heinz and Fred Hein. Help them fix their eyes on you, finding comfort and strength in your mercy, that your gracious work may be displayed in them. With Bud Balzer and Bobby Thomas, we give you thanks for the healing that you've granted them in their lives. Make us all deeply grateful for the life and health that you daily and hourly sustain in each of us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Heavenly Father, who we often grow weary along our pilgrim way in this world, hide us in your shelter in the day of trouble and keep us safe along the way by refreshing us 
with the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sacrament of your Holy Supper. Keep us from impenitence or disbelief, so that we may receive him worthily and unto the intended good. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Mercifully accept all of our petitions, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy lord almighty father everlasting god through jesus christ our lord who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to receive the paschal feast in sincerity and truth therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of heaven and earth, sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive and renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we give you sake. You have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule in our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.